every time you get a chance to witness this scene, you feel lucky. Nothing like it. Man, this is what it's all about. This is what college football is all about. I've, I've said this is the best scene in the country. Welcome back to Whiteout Weekly on a fourth straight glorious victory week with a win over Villanova, 38 to 17. We now, Penn State, move up to number four, number four in the AP poll, leapfrogging Iowa and OU, who had down weekends against inferior competition. Um, however, we did not cover the spread. Got a little chirp on Twitter after saying that Penn State would win by. 40 points so i think we officially have our first heater which means we're doing something right but they did score villanova uh did score two touchdowns in the fourth so bravo for the backdoor cover but we dominated all game including the man we talk about every single week behind center sean clifford who was the co-offensive player of the week in the big 10 after throwing for 401 yards, passing, four touchdowns, and one pick. Davey, how about that performance? Yeah, this final score shows it wasn't, you know, really doesn't tell the whole story. It was 38. They were up by 35 in the fourth. 38-3, uh, covering. Yeah, coaching staff did a good job throughout the game, implementing the, the younger guys. The bat, uh, You know, it wasn't really necessary a platoon swap in the second half. So they were filtering some guys in. You saw Kazai Izzard get a sack early. Yeah, mm-hmm. Keaton Ellis in there at safety. So did a really good job of getting those guys in early. And you mentioned my guy Cliff. First Nittany line QB to throw for 400 yards on U.S. soil. Christian Hackenberg did it back in Ireland when we uh, <laughs> – Oh, oh, oh my God. Yeah, I was going to say on U.S. soil. What the fuck are you talking oh, yeah, about, no. dude? For a little tailspin there. But, yeah, I think Hack threw for – it was about 440 yards. But Cliff, first to do it here in the U.S. So, good for our man. <laughs> there we go. We need that. <laughs> Hackenberg can't have any records. I'm sorry. No. Get no, him out of the record books. He's forgotten. He's, yeah, he's, he's done. But – but good win. You saw a lot in yeah. you know, the top 25. I saw some status. The most teams that have been ranked in the top 25 to have lose in the first four weeks of a college football season. And sometime you saw, you mentioned Oklahoma, who we leapfrogged in the polls. You had fans chanting their backups name. When I could not, Rattler, I could not believe that. Like as, as Philly, as Philly fans, as we are like Philly fans would do that in pro sports. No doubt about it. But a, co- yeah. but a college chaining against this kid's – I mean, you got to remember, this kid's nine, 20 years old. And the chain for his backup. Like, come on, dude. That is just – I look at Oklahoma fans as in a totally different light now. Like, they are sad. Yeah. Yeah. They've, had, they've been spoiled for the past five years with their quarterbacks. Like, give the kid a fucking break. <laughs> he, he did suck. But, but, um, but, yeah, looking at the landscape of things, happy to be 4-0. 
you they went one and zero for the yeah. week. So moving on to the Big Ten play. Uh, so Which is yeah, got to be happy with the win. Huge, and a lot of people are talking about now that Alabama has kind of been exposed a little bit on defense. That this is maybe the one year that this is wide open. Anyone's anyone's up for grabs. Clemson's way down. Ohio State's not where they are like normally. So this is the year that literally anyone can pop out. Yeah. Yeah. We still got to take care of what we can control. But when you look over the grand scheme of things, it's, it's one of those weird years where hey, it doesn't matter if you get in, you get in. So if this is the year, let's, let's do it, baby. That's why I love the Franklin mantra. One and know every week. One and know yeah. uh, some advanced uh, stats on Clifford on throws over 10 yards. He was nine of 13. So 69%. Very nice. High, way above his average. 257 yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. So numbers looking good, throwing the ball downfield. And again, we reiterate this pretty much every single week. As long as he's getting those com- comfortable throws, this wide open throws to Lambert Smith, to Parker Washington, he's going to be able to have that confidence to stick the ball downfield and throw a guy open every once in a while. Yeah, targets targets to Parker and Jahan this week, 12 for 12, 265 yards and three touchdowns. So hitting the big play guys and hitting them successfully. So that was huge. Yeah, and that's that's the main thing with him. I mean, he said, he told Reese Davis, I feel like the most confident quarterback in America right now. So as long as you're a chick, you can keep that confidence going with those easy throws, those easy reads. I have all the faith in the world in Sean Cliff right now, which I didn't think I was going to say at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely taking what we can get out of him. And again, it's, it's just showing, you know, shedding some light on Yurchich's offense. Again, you're going to start to get those high caliber recruits. You had Drew Aller who has been lighting up in high school who could be walking in the door next year, but it, it shows a lot of what this offense can be and getting the most out of Clifford is just, Really, really showing that big time. Yeah, that would be an absolute game changer if Penn State could consistently get those four or five star QB recruits and be just an offensive powerhouse. But Absolutely. moving on quickly, uh, past this Villanova slaughter, um, who is your one name all game on Saturday? So for me, maybe he's been my guy all year long, didn't really show up much in the box score, but I'm going to give it to Keandre Lambert Smith, notching his first career touchdown as a nittany line nice uh-huh. 83 yard screenplay he was quoted during the spring all of spring ball heading into fall camp where he admitted that last year he was mentally weak you know constantly thinking about that that pass that the last pass that he just dropped you know always worrying about the last play this is a kid who lit it up all all over the field in high school so to be able to start to get him into his own in a rhythm and we're talking about him as a wide receiver three. You're already getting big time production out of Parker and John. Yeah. So to be able to get him going, get him confident, it's it's just going to open up this offense even more. So he gets my nod for this week. Yeah. And I mean, even uh, Dotson Washington had huge weeks and he still big had time. a huge week right behind them. Yep. Um, so mine, I'm going to go with one name, all game. Actually, I have three names Oh, all, for the all game. Uh, which is kind of contradictory because if you don't hear these guys' names, that means that they had a phenomenal game. Mm-hmm. So uh, first guy up, Juice Scruggs. Since week one, he has not allowed a single sack or single pressure in three straight games along with zero penalties. He's so 
by far the best offensive lineman on our team. In that same span, uh, Rashid Walker left tackle. He put up four pressures in those three games, no sacks allowed, and has averaged one penalty per game. Don't know why, but just doing that. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, grad transfer, Eric Wilson, in that same span of those three games, only two pressures. He did allow a sack against Nova, but zero penalties. So those three guys stepping up to the plate in pass protection mainly, uh, allowing Clifford to read his routes, be comfortable in the pocket, not have a barrage of defenders coming against him, read routes, simple throws, simple outs. Those guys are me, the main ones doing it, and you never hear about them, which is yeah, good. And, yeah, and Wilson, I don't know if you noticed this week, he, he was getting some snaps at center. So mm-hmm. they were – don't know if they're looking to shuffle Miranda. You know, Miranda's been, Miranda has been the weak, the weak link of the yeah, uh, so. offensive line, if I, if I had to say. Yeah, so as you enter Big Ten play, I don't know if that's going to be a switch that they make or if it's just for emergency purposes, if Miranda goes down, but just something to keep an eye on. Wilson able to get it done both at left guard and at center. So that's huge. So, yeah, I think we're both on the same page here um, in terms of what needs to be improved. The running game, still not a factor, which concerns me as we move into the colder months, Big Ten schedule. A lot of very, very, very good linebackers in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to be this air raid offense that puts up points, when we have a lead, we need to be able to rely on the running game. And right now, we haven't been able to do that. Yeah, I was reading Franklin was getting pressed about it in, press, in, in his postgame pressers and also this week leading up to the Indiana game, which we'll get into. But uh, still humming the same tune that they're going to be using that three-back rotation. Mm-hmm pressed again about the ineffectiveness of the run saying that he wants to see a little bit more out of that offensive line with open up some holes, the backs themselves using a little bit more bounce and running with a little bit more aggressiveness, breaking some tackles. So still more to be seen. The coaches obviously know that they need to get more out of it. You look at big 10 play, like you said, you're going to be facing a lot of tenacious linebackers, defensive fronts, and you think about your, you're in a tight game at Kinnick. I know we're, you know, I'm looking ahead of the Indiana game here, but in those in those close games in Columbus, up by four, up by five, four minutes left in the game, you got to be able to. Drill, yeah, clock. you need to be able to beat that clock. clock. So to. It, it's gonna it's gonna come back to bite them, or they're gonna continue to prove and and show that they can get it done. But either way, as these games as the schedule continues, they're gonna have to be able to run the ball and show that they can earn some yards that way. And even looking at the stats, Noah Kane's averaging three point four yards per carry, which is not great. He is a hard runner. He'll get he'll get to the end zone. Anytime you need a touchdown within the three yard line, Noah Kane could do that for you. Yeah, and they kept him out of that Nova game. I think he had one carry, two yards, and they yanked him a little banged up from the mm-hmm. previous week. So we'll hopefully he's good to go this week, but didn't get a lot of runtime this week. Um Kevon Lee averaging five yards a carry. And then um John Lovett, who's finally getting in the mix. He's averaging four point two yards per carry. Yeah, Lovett seems to be the clear-cut third back over Devin Ford. Devin Ford seems relegated to just kick returns. So, yeah. liking what I'm seeing out of Lovett. So, hopefully with some more game reps, he should be able to continue to shine. But as a unit, like we said, as a whole, they, they got to show that they can get that yardage. Yeah, so as good as the Penn State offensive line has been against in pass protection, they've been just horrendous run blocking. 
against Wisconsin and Auburn, obviously our two toughest opponents that we faced this year. The offensive line, uh, according to PFF, didn't grade above a 53 in terms of run block. So just think of that in like terms of like a great scale. 53 in two games didn't get above 53. Hmm. So they got to start letting bodies hit the floor and creating lanes for these backs because it's just it's just not working out for that offensive line in the running game at all. Yeah, absolutely. All right, now before we preview another primetime ABC game, we're going to go into a little trivia time. Woo! And this time, Baron is on the clock. I got a little right, bit baby. of a doozy for you. The long one. Hit me with it. Following one of the most successful seasons in the past 20 years with Michael Robinson at the helm, the 2005 Penn State team finished third in the AP poll after an overtime win against Florida State in the Orange Bowl. Who was the quarterback the following season when the team dropped back to nine and four? You have a phone to friend and a hint. All right, so 2006. So that's going to be – and don't slip like I did last week and give it to me early. I'm, it's going to be between – trying to think it was, it was either Daryl Clark or Anthony Morelli. I'm going to go with Anthony Morelli. Correct. That's it. That is very – exactly correct. I think he had two seasons before Daryl Clark. Filled yeah. In. Five-star recruit that never panned out. What an Italian last name, though. Anthony Morelli. Morelli. But yeah, he uh, never panned out. Yeah, now he's done. And it is time for another primetime ABC preview where Penn State, number four in the nation, takes on Indiana at home, where we will seek revenge after that just Superman dive in overtime. That When that happened, I was like, I'm done with the season. That was the first game. I was like, I'm fucking done with this. That was absurd. <laughs> I was in the fetal position on the ground in my living room. Yeah, it, like uh, that, that was disgusting. So I'm ready for fucking revenge. Stripe this, out, baby, too. Stripe out. A little stripe out. out. I love how they coordinate that shit. Yeah. Because it always, it always, like, you would think that would be so hard to coordinate, but then you look at it on, like, the uh, blimp cam, and it yeah. looks good. I mean, there's probably some people that fuck up, but. It looks good from over top. For the most part, yeah. So this kid, Michael Penix Jr., absolutely destroyed us last year. He did – I think he tore his ACL or had some kind of knee injury that knocked him out of last season, but he was having a Heisman-type season. Mm-hmm. This year, not so much. Um, going into the game last week against Western Kentucky, he had a 48.3 completion percentage with a four-touchdown to six-interception ratio. And then they barely won the game against Western Kentucky, and he didn't throw for a touchdown or an interception. Furthermore, he's not accurate downfield at all against their two toughest opponents, Iowa and Cincinnati, on throws over 10 yards, just over 10 yards, over the first down marker. He was 9 of 36. That's 25% with two interceptions. Oof. So, and after that knee surgery, he's not really a run threat at all. So, quite frankly, I'm not afraid of Michael Penix Jr. at all. Let him sling it, man. Let him sling it all over the field to these DBs. 
all day, all day. Yeah, it seems, um, the, it seems that the injury really took something out of him. He just hasn't been able to get back to that same form that he was in last year. Could have been lightning in a bottle, hot COVID year, weird things happening. Don't know. I think he's a talented kid, but that injury definitely took a lot out of him. He just hasn't been able to get back to that form. For sure. Um, they're definitely like us. They do not find success in the run game. They have a transfer from USC running back, Stephen Carr. He's a great pass catcher, a hard runner at 6'1", 215 pounds, and he'll normally split out wide for five wide sets sometimes because they just literally can't run the ball. So it's just mm-hmm. panics back there and five wide with some stud wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ty Freifogel, he's been their top target this year, 21 catches, over 200 yards. He had a couple touchdowns, I think, last week. Uh, Veteran tight end Peyton Hendershot, too, uh, a couple years ago, led the team in receptions, had over 50 catches. Last year, not as many targets or catches. Again, weird year, but he's he's a veteran presence in that tight end room that can make some big-time plays. So definitely a couple names to look out for this week. And they did have a uh, transfer from Florida State, DJ Matthews, who was their, like, number two receiver number two receiver next to Fry Fogel, but he tore his ACL, unfortunately, early in the Western Kentucky game. So I think we'll see a lot more of Peyton Hender shot in this one Mm -hmm. because he's down. But another thing about um, Indiana that I wanted to say was they have a really solid O-line. They've only allowed five sacks this season Mm -hmm. and two were the running back, Stephen Carr's fault. So really only three sacks on the season from – the offensive line but both came from the tackle position mm. so left tackle luke haggard has allowed two sacks two hurries on the year and their right tackle caleb jones has allowed 12 pressures mm. in four games one sack three qb hits and eight qb pressures so yeah jesse lucata lines up on the left side as that like kind of edge outside linebacker so I'm saying that Otto's very own over Caleb Jones, he's going to have a monster multi-sack performance against this kid. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that all day. I could already smell that. Even maybe doing a little flip and giving AK a couple runs out of him or mm-hmm. at him rather. But yeah, big time. And these then, kids letting up pressures left and right. Yeah, and him. even PJ, PJ over the top, he's been coming up big the last couple of weeks, showing improvement. So we'd love to see him continue to get in that backfield, but. So let's talk about their defense. You're going to hear this name a lot on Saturday night. Number 47, Micah McFadden. He missed the game before Western Kentucky against Cincinnati because of a targeting call. So he came back against Western Kentucky with a vengeance. He put up eight solo tackles, three assists, 11 total, um, one stop, two QB hurries, and a sack. So just literally all over the field, him and his running mate, number four, Cam Jones, are the heart and soul of that defense. So if they're flying over the field, we're going to have some problems. Kind of like the, what's that guy's name? Samborn from yeah. Wisconsin. <laughs> got to take got to take that guy out of the game. No, no throws over the middle like that. Got to key him when he's about to blitz because yeah. he can literally destroy a game. 
yeah, definitely got to key him, like you said, keep him at bay. Maybe if that's getting the tight ends involved a little bit to make sure you're keeping them honest, but don't don't want them blowing things up for us. So definitely got to keep them honest out of the gate. And then their secondary has some tenured players. Cornerback uh, Taiwan, Taiwan Mullen was all Big Ten player last season, as well as safety Devin Matthews. He was also all Big Ten player um, this year. Mullen's allowing only 9.1 yards per catch on 29 targets. No picks, but he does have a team high four pass breakups and plays both on the inside and the slot. But he, despite the accolades of being all Big Ten, he's very beatable. Um, I was looking at the stats against Ohio, Idaho, Idaho in uh, week two, and the Vandals didn't care. They just went after him. They threw at him 13 times, and he allowed 11 catches for 91 yards, four first downs, and one touchdown. And this kid named Hayden Hatton, sophomore for the Vandals, caught seven passes on eight targets for 52 yards and a touchdown against him. Yeah, so if that kid can do it, I think Jahan Dotson is going to have a pretty solid chance of being able to beat this guy plenty of times. I going to say, I think we got a couple of guys that might be a little better than that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then on their other side, they're starting Reese Taylor. Uh, he's only allowed six catches this year, uh, only on 14 targets because they just, they've just been going after Mullen. But he's giving up 20 yards per receptions per reception on those six that he's allowed this season. And last week, Western Kentucky final stat, four receivers had over 60 receiving yards in that game. So not running the ball may not be the worst problem this week. Yeah. Because we can definitely, definitely beat them through the air. Yeah. I think you're going to continue to see those explosive plays this past week. It was great to see right out the gate that bound the dots. And so I think you'll, you'll see more of that, especially at home prime time they'll want to get that crowd into it early not that they won't be already but just the right out the gates just put them away mm-hmm. and as of now the spread for this game is penn state minus 12 and a half mm. with the over under at 53 and a half so i'm quite confident in penn state winning this game by more than two touchdowns i am too i Spread seemed high at first, but in the fans' minds, you, you hear the revenge game, obviously, from last year with the Penix Superman dive, whatever you want to call it, any point of that game. That brings hearing a, a lot of factor into it. Yeah, hearing a lot of what Franklin was saying in his pressers was he was very disappointed with the effort that the team gave last week. So it sounded like it was going to be a really tough week of practice starting on Sunday. Usually, I think they practice Sundays, give them off Mondays, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, they're practicing so he was kind of going on about he wants to see more tenacity, more aggressiveness from all the position groups. So I think they're going to come out firing after a really hard week of practice, ready to go for Big Ten play. So I, I think they come out strong. Players' minds, it doesn't they're pushing away the, the revenge game narrative. But either way, it's there. And I, I think they put them away by more than two scores easily. Um, so Penn State first half, Penn State minus seven touchdown could be a potential play potential play i think i'd still i'd still side with the full game spread but i I do i think so too i just think our wide receivers are a mismatch with one of their 
the stronger points at their defense, which is their secondary, which honestly is not yeah. that good. Mm-hmm. So that's it for Indiana Penn State, but we will be talking about more Big Ten betting in the week five edition of the Big Ten betting bonanza. <laughs> and here we are, week five, Big Ten betting bonanza. And things have shooken up the leaderboard as Dave the Croatian Bear goes 3 0 last week. I went 2 and 1 with a Foolish Western Kentucky first half bet, which I think was the only Western Kentucky bet that didn't hit that game. <laughs> Just the dumbass play that I always do. He goes three and I go two and one. However, I had Notre Dame money line, which is plus three. He took the spread plus six and a half, one. So the total right now is Dave plus four, Matt plus two. Both in the positives. Week five. Roll me up, baby. And it's anybody's ballgame at this point. Anybody's ballgame. So does the undefeated man want to uh, grace us with his first pick? I will. I'm going to keep it rolling with the Northwestern Wildcats. All righty. You had them last week, too. I think Pat Fitzgerald keeps that team rolling, gets them back on track. I got a plus 11. The disrespect at Nebraska in Lincoln. Uh, I think the what I think it's going to be a slobber knocker Big Ten battle. I think the Wildcats hang in there by ten or less. So I'm taking Northwestern. I will tell you what, I'm taking the same pick. Oh, all uh, right. Um, I think after that Nebraska, Michigan State overtime, that heartbreaking fucking loss. Mm-hmm. You would think this line set to say, hey, Nebraska is going to absolutely fucking roll this team, minus 11. They're all pissed off and stuff, but they don't know Northwestern. Northwestern plays the most disciplined football under Pat Fitzgerald. That'll change every week. So, plus 11 and a half, way, way too many points. Plus 11. Mm -hmm. Way Mm -hmm. too many points for them. I'm I'm riding the same train as you. All righty. So, your second pick here. Pick number two. I'm going to do it, Luch. I'm doing it. I'm taking Michigan money line at Wisconsin. Oh, you're such a sucker. <laughs> I know. I'm going to be singing my sorrow the next pod, but it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make Wisconsin's sense. Wisconsin's just not a good team, and I'm, I'm rolling with the Wolverines. They're minus, and Wisconsin's favored, but it, it makes I'm no I'm sense. I'm taking a stand to for sketch lines. I'm done avoiding them or going the other way. It's, it's not right. I'm taking Michigan. <laughs> the sketch lines are not right. <laughs> we will not have them anymore. I demand justice. <laughs> like I was, I was gonna go Wisconsin, but yeah, I'm sketch lines no more. I'm done with them. No more. Get them out of here. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was gonna be my second bet, but I'm I switched off that. I'm sticking with the many Saints of New York signs. I'm going with the Scarlet Knights Let's first go, half man. line. Destiny. Okay. First half line plus seven and a half at home against Ohio State. I think Ohio State could potentially pull away in the second half. So that's why I'm taking the Rutgers faithful to make some fucking noise when the Ohio State comes to the building and that they cover the first half. I was about to take first half money line, but I don't know how Ooh. we would score that. That would have been bold. Would, we, would, that, would that just be like three points or would that be like a point and a half? 
I'd give you the three if Rutgers is leading at half. I'm I'm taking seven and a half. Rutgers <laughs> plus seven and a half. Final answer. Lock it in. Yeah, Ohio State's used to the shoe, but they they've never seen New Brunswick, baby. No, 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 no. Not the mean streets in New Brunswick. Um, your third bet, sir, to cap it off. Pick number three, staying in the state of Michigan. Go with Michigan State. Okay. They get their stab at the Hilltoppers this week. Sparty minus 10 and a half versus the mighty Hilltoppers. I don't know if you saw them last week, man. They were sloppy in the first half, but that second half, <laughs> they certainly came back. I don't think they could do it again against another Big Ten team. Mel Tucker's got that team rolling. I think Michigan State. Michigan, yeah. Michigan State is definitely one of the uh, more surprising teams in the nation this year. And I'm going to go with a the first ever stripe out special. I'm taking Penn State minus 12 over Indiana, two touchdown victory. We're going into our fifth straight victory week with a slaughtering of Indiana. I think their secondary is just too weak. We're going to pass all over them. Um, Stadium is going to be rocking again. Again, revenge game. Mm -hmm. There's still so many players that were at that played in that game that had that on their mind. Who are thinking Michael Penix is going in the fucking dirt today, tonight? (laughs) They're playing at night. So Penn State all day, minus 12. I got to say, man, I'm surprised you didn't touch that Friday night game. Uh, I was, dude, dude, you've no long how how long I looked at it. (laughs) I'm, yeah, because the part of me doesn't want Iowa to lose just because we have them next week and I don't want them coming off a loss. Oh, you know. The revenge factor. I would, I would rather they win that game. Same with me. And my bet would have been Maryland money line. So, but especially for us, when you're looking at the grand scheme of things, you don't know how things are going to shake out. That that Wisco wins not looking as great. Yeah. Auburn. It almost looked like we broke Auburn if they would have <laughs> lost to Georgia State. For real, but I was I like, was rather... that just a total scam win? Like, what's going on? Right <laughs> so I would rather keep the Hawkeyes undefeated going into Kennedy. Yeah, same with me. Same with me. So there it is. Week five bets for the Big Ten Betty Bonanza. They will be on Twitter. If you want to follow us at Whiteout Weekly. And that is it for this week. Oh. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for watching and tuning in to Whiteout Weekly. We will be back every week with more Penn State news and information. And once again, I cannot thank you enough for Spend your time with us. Luigi signing out. See you guys.